Welcome back to Mark's Madness. Yeah. We are back off the heels of uh, what was a a spicy episode. That was that was legitimately fun in a way that oh, an episode yeah. has not been in a while. Yes. That's, yes. So, sometimes yeah. they are genuinely depressing. That sometimes they are just pure joy. Uh, and the pure joys are, are, are few and far between, so I'll take them where I can get them. Um, that being said, as is tradition, because there are yep. nothing that we want to talk about, we're going to jump right into this book. Yeah, uh, and to set this up last time, if, if for some reason you're not binging and forgot, this is right at the end of all of the circular philosophy 101 arguments. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> if you, if you, even if you have aren't binging, just go back and listen to the last like five minutes of the last episode, just because it, it, it is one of my favorite things we've ever recorded. It, it very uh, much and then is, just yeah. slam it right into this one, uh, and to kind of crossfade in, and so on around and around, up and down, day after day, week after week, with only here and there a keen straight mind to cut the cobwebs and to say in effect with Seward through Johnson, okay. Damn uh, the hard slur. Let us settle down to work and trade or to declare with Stevens and Sumner, make the slaves free with land education and the ballot, and then let the South return to its place or to say with Blaine and Conkling and Bingham, not in words, but in action guard property and industry. When their position is impregnable, let the South return. We will then hold it with black votes until we capture it with white capital. Ho oh, that sounds a little too on the nose That's, for my take. Hey, there's there there's your American centrism right there. That's that's it, baby. And that, we talked about that at the beginning. Yeah, yeah um, we did. We did. I could, you know, hold on. I just it's for as much fun as last episode is. This might be the most pressing. And if you want to talk about like modern liberalism, okay, we will hold it with black votes until we capture it with white capital. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna faint. We're gonna we're gonna cater to it's the it's the modern Democratic Party. We appealed mm-hmm. they appealed to uh, African Americans and and union voters and and actual people of need uh, for a long enough time until they were so ingrained and had so much corporate backing that they no longer needed mm-hmm. those votes and can basically do whatever they wanted. And that's what we've yes, seen them do yes. for the last. And when they catered, 10, it, it meant that they threw a few crumbs. So oh that no, no, they no! It was genuinely- all posturing. Yeah, it was all posturing and it was all very, very minor gains, important gains, but very small gains in the large scheme of things, in the large gaping hole between actual, you know, power and autonomy and deserved rights. But it gave, brought them closer to rights, so it looked substantive, even though it was the people in these groups that fought for themselves. And then when you just got it ingrained, like, these are our voters, we the, the, the black people vote for us, then just... Boom, cut the cord. Yep. Uh, David, go ahead. My voice is running. (laughs) After all this blather, the nation and its Congress found itself back to the two plain problems, the basis of representation in Congress and the status of the Negro. When it came to the Negro, the old dogmatism leaped to the fore and would not down. Chandler of New York regarded Farnsworth's demand for Negro equality as not only an attack on foreigners, but an insult to white citizens. When the yeah, Constitution right. said people, it meant white people. Um, I think, unfortunately, that 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 uh, uh, mean, yeah, that's guy is right, but that doesn't mean we should fucking listen to that. Um, and he stood for the purity of the white race. 
Oh, Fink declared. Oh, I thought. Yeah, hold no. on, hold on. I thought that was a Nazi thing. I thought that was a Nazi thing. See how I confused I got? Yeah, it's. It, you know that would be weird because that would mean that the Nazis were inspired by America, especially uh-huh. the westward expansion and the black codes and Jim Crow laws in the South uh, post Reconstruction. But that's that would be crazy. Mm. Um, yep, yep. Fink declared that Ohio would never let Negroes vote on his consent. And this is, and the right ought to be a white man's government, said Boyer of Pennsylvania. And he declared that 18 of the 25 states now represented in Congress would not let the Negro vote. Yet the argument for freedom and democracy loomed high and clear. Slavery, but but a short time ago received as a God-given condition of man has fallen under the banner of pure morality and come down with the curses of the Christian world. With the fall of slavery must also fall the things pertaining thereto. The master who yesterday had his heel upon the neck of the slave today meets that slave upon the level of common equality. The Negro should be carefully considered in this question of reconstruction, for after all, we are our brother's keeper, and we must see that even-handed justice is meted out on the black man if possible. I feel like suddenly I'm reading chapter two, uh, chapter one, two of our prisons obsolete again um, with that one. You know, it's like this was unimaginable just a few years ago, and then bang, <laughs> you know. Um, Woodbridge of Vermont declared, new social and political relations have been established. Four million people have been born in a day. The shackles have been stricken from four million chattels, and they have become in an hour living, thinking, moving, responsible beings and citizens of the United States. And if Congress does not do something to provide for these people, if they do not prove equal to their duty and come up to their work like men, the condition of the people will be worse than before. The South, represented by by the border states, had to confine itself to constitutional metaphysics or else oh, blurt out, as if it's some spokesman did, a new defense of the old slavery. The West, on the other hand, had a real and disturbing argument, and it was voiced by Voorhees. Uh, oh, apparently, God. we're doing Friday the 13th uh, shit Apparently, here. Jason uh, has showed up. Yes. Uh, in his dramatic attempt to drive a wedge between Johnson and the Republicans. He said, January 6th, 1866. How long can the inequalities of our present revenue system be born? How long will the poor and laborious pay tribute to the rich and idle? We mm. have two great interests in this country. Yeah, I mean, it seems appealing so far. Mm. We have two great interests in this country, one of which has prostrated the other. The past four years of suffering and war have been the opportune harvest of the manufacture. The looms and machine shops of New England and the iron furnaces of Pennsylvania have been more prolific of wealth to their owners than the most dazzling gold mines on earth again seems seems pretty legit uh, so far comrade comrade Voorhees uh coming through yeah. really uh I'm, I'm right. waiting for the terrible turn but let's, we let's have see. nothing to lose but our chains I'm here you keep going <laughs> uh they're the results of class legislation of a monopoly of trade established by law it may be said that they escape prosperity most certainly they do but is the prosperity of one who obtains the property of his neighbor without any equivalent in return the present law or tariff is being rapidly understood. There is no longer a deception, but rather a well-defined and clearly recognized outrage. The agricultural labor of the land is driven to the counters of the most gigantic monopoly ever before sanctioned by law. 
From its exorbitant demands, there is no escape. The European manufacturer is forbidden our ports of trade for fear he might sell his goods at cheaper rates and thus relieve the burden of the consumer. We have declared by law that there is but one market in which our citizens shall go to make their purchases, and we have left it to the owners of the markets to fix their own prices. Okay, Comrade Voorhees, I'm I'm saying it. This man, this man yeah, is just I'm speaking so truth. Used to the, I'm so used to the turns here, and I don't like juxtaposing um, the materialism versus versus you know the the freedom of slavery. But I do like the things he's saying, and so I'm pleasantly surprised so far. We'll we'll see what fantastic. What so let's read let's read a couple sentences yeah. and find out why he's an asshole. Yeah, right, right. Uh, this was another unanswerable argument, but having made it was what Voorhees. What was Voorhees' remedy? His logical remedy would have been to unite the industrial democracy of the West with the abolition democracy of the East in order to fight oligarchy in the northern industry and then attempt to reestablish agricultural oligarchy in the South. Yet this was farthest from his intention. His immediate effort was to embarrass and split the Republicans by forcing them to endorse or repudiate their own president and leader. His ultimate program, if he had one, was to seek with Andrew Jackson to restore oligarchy in the South with Andrew a dominant Johnson. planter. Andrew Johnson. Oh, Andrew Johnson. <laughs> God dang it. Andrew Different Johnson. shitty Andrew president. <laughs> to restore oligarchy in the South with a dominant planter class and serfdom for the emancipated Negroes. This was unthinkable, and it deprived the radical West of all moral sympathy and voting power for which its economic revolt deserved. Fantastic. What was it? What was it the nation wanted? Charles Sumner told the nation what it ought to want, but there was no doubt. But but that it did not yet want this. That E.S. Stevens yeah. knew what the nation ought to want, but as a practical politician, his business was to see how much of this he could get enacted into actual law. There became, before the 39th Congress, some 140 different proposals to change the Constitution of the United States, including 49 on appointment, 31 on civil and political rights, and 13 forbidding payment for slaves. Over half of these affected the status of free men. Before the Committee of Fifteen could sift these and settle into its larger task of fixing the future basis of representation, the degree of national guardianship which Negro freedmen called for, there seemed to be two measures upon which public opinion in the North was so far crystallized that legislation might safely be attempted. These were a permanent Freedmen's Bureau and a bill to protect the civil rights of Negroes. On the first day of business of the 39th Congress, they were introduced into the Senate two bills on these subjects. That seems productive of the Congress. The Civil Rights Bill was taken up December 13th, but Sherman of Ohio reminded the Senate that there was scarcely a state in the Union that did not make distinctions on account of color and wished, therefore, to postpone action until the 13th Amendment had been adopted. <sighs> Salisbury of Maryland called it an insane effort to elevate the African race to the dignity of the white race and claimed that the 13th Amendment would carry no such power as Sherman assumed. <laughs> this is Trumbull now we're back to of, the depressing yeah. shit. Yeah, I'll I'll sorry. Yeah, I'll take you there. Trumbull of Illinois, on the contrary, declared that the second second section of the 13th Amendment, as reported by his committee, was drawn for the very purpose of conferring upon Congress authority to see that the first section was carried out in good faith and for none other. And I hold that under the second section of con the second section, Congress will have the authority when the constitutional amendment is adopted, not only to pass the bill of the senator from Massachusetts, but a bill that will be much more efficient to protect the freedmen and his rights. We may, if the 
deemed advisable, continue the Freedmen's Bureau, clothe it with additional powers, and if necessary, back it up with a military force to see that the rights of the men made free by the first clause of the Constitutional Amendment are protected. And, sir, when the Constitutional Amendment shall have been adopted, if the information from the South be that the men whose liberties are secured by it are deprived of the privilege to go and come where they please, to buy and sell when they please, to make contracts and enforce contracts, I give notice that if no one else does... I shall introduce a bill and urge its passage through Congress that will secure to those men every one of those rights. They would not be free men without them. Now that I, I, I like this Trumbull guy pretty good. Trumbull seems to have it in the right. Trumbull seems to be going in the right direction. Congress asked the president for the specific facts concerning the situation in the South. The president replied with the report of general grant containing the superficial results of a hasty five day trip, five days, Five days in 1860 to travel the entire South and give an update of what's going on. Really? Really? Um, The president replied with the report of General Grant containing the superficial results of a hasty five-day trip and disingenuously tried to repress the report of everyone's favorite wordy-mouthed motherfucker, (laughs) Carl Schurz. Undoubtedly the most thoroughgoing and careful inquiry into the situation just after the war that had been made. Yeah, it was thorough. It was thorough. I was going to uh, say, some- at, at this point, like, is Carl Schurz, you know, fucking Marco Polo or something? I mean, he's just so he in really, He's just every, every minute detail. Like, Carl Schurz, Carl Schurz's report on the South is longer than Capital and contains more <laughs> bolts of linen. Like, it's insanity. Uh, Sumner... <laughs> expressed his indignation and the evident need of a civil rights bill. When I think of what occurred yesterday in this chamber, when I call to mind the attempt to whitewash the unhappy condition of the rebel states and to throw the mantle of official rebellion over the sick and heart-rending outrages where human rights are sacrificed and rebel barbarism receives a new letter of license, I feel that I ought to speak of nothing else. I stood here years ago, in the days of Kansas, when a small community was surrendered to the machinations of slave masters. I now stand here again, when a an immense region with millions of people has been surrendered to the machinations of slave masters. Sir, it is the duty of Congress to stress this fateful fury, fatal fury. Congress must dare to be brave. It must dare to be just. He claimed that the Civil Rights Bill aimed simply to carry out and maintain the proclamation of emancipation, by which this republic is solemnly pledged to maintain the emancipated slave in his freedom. Such is our pledge, and the executive government of the United States, including the military and naval authority thereof, will recognize and maintain the freedom of such persons. This pledge is without any limitation in space and time. It is an extended and an immortal as the Republic itself. Does anybody call it vain words? I trust not. To that pledge, we are solemnly bound. Wherever our flag floats, as long as time endures, we must see it sacredly observed. Again, point to Charles Sumner. Uh, yeah, I mean, Sumner kind of yeah. just doesn't fuck around, ever. Yeah. Um, guy comes correct when he comes correct. Uh... But the performance of that pledge cannot be entrusted to another. Least of all, can it be entrusted to the old slave masters embittered against their slaves? No, I mean, yeah. It must be performed (laughs) by the national government. The power that gave freedom must set 
see that this freedom is maintained. This is according to reason. It is according to the examples of history. In the British West Indies, we find the teaching. Three of England's greatest orators and statesmen, Burke, Canning, and Burgum, people I don't know and don't care about, at successive <laughs> periods, united in declaring from the experience of the British West Indies that whatever the slave masters undertook to do for their slaves was always errant trifling, and that whatever might be plausible form, it always wanted the executive principle. More recently, the Emperor of Russia. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> we got the Romanovs involved. We're in some shit. Uh-oh. More recently, when Tsar Nikki ordered the emancipation <laughs> and declared that all efforts of his predecessors in this direction had failed because they had been left the spontaneous initiative of the proprietors, I might say much more on his head, but this is enough. I assume that no such blunder will be made on our part, that we shall not leave the old proprietors the maintenance of that freedom with which we are pledged and thus break our own promises and sacrifice a race. David. But Congress was not yet ready for this high ground and Sumner's scheme was widely criticized. Whitelaw Reed, in a letter to the Cincinnati Gazette, March 3rd, 1868, recalled the profound surprise and bitterness of feeling with which Sumner's remarks were received by senators. Republican journals and leaders within the inner circles of the party were hostile. The Republicans were especially afraid of any split with the president, lest this bring the Democrats into power. Guys, party, party guys, first guys, guys, party, party first. You can't come on. You can't criticize them. If they're, come on. We got to get through yeah. this. Donald Trump's in office, yeah. guys. You got to get no, through it. No standing for anything. We're actually representing the masses or democratic no. centralism. But party unity when we've actually got to do unity. something that's not reactionary. Yeah. Party unity. Party, party unity. Um, Forney of the Philadelphia press begged Sumner to yield for the sake of harmony within the great political army, which had been a conscientious and courageous leader. Again, this sounds too damn familiar. Couldn't be. Couldn't be us. Yeah. Uh, Protest against President Johnson's policy were therefore slow in expression. The nation was weary of war and objected to military administration in the South. Capitalists wanted pacification of the Southern Territory to open a market close for four years. They wanted. And you remember any- when four years? You remember when four years was enough to make us weary of war? Yeah, man, the good old days. That's something. Well, I mean, it's got to be a market. It's got to be a big cash cow market, and not yeah. just not just a resource extraction land where the the war you know maintains the resource extraction. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's nice when wars are old enough to vote, and yet pulling out of them is cowardice. Cowardly. Too soon. It's not ready. Too soon. Yeah. Protests against President Johnson's policy were therefore slow in expression. The nation was weary of war and objected to military administration in the South. Capitalists wanted pacification of the Southern Territory, open a market close for four years. They wanted any method which would bring the quickest results. They don't give a shit. They don't give a shit the slaves are free or what morals are. They They just want their money. Moreover, Republicans held some of the largest states in the North by narrow majorities. Oh, no, guys. You're going to flip this with a third-party vote. You can't split the party. Any unpopular step might be the Democrats in power. Office holders did not want to break with Johnson, and candidates for office were timid. Congress made, in effect, the first overture to the South, and instead of forcing civil and possibly political rights, turned to take up the bill which proposed the government guardianship and tutelage for the blacks. The Civil Rights Bill was postponed, and the Freedmen's Bureau Bill, which Johnson's message seemed to accept, was substituted. This was introduced as an amendment to the Act of March 3, 1865, and contained the following propositions. One, that the Bureau should 
that the Bureau should continue in force until abolished by law. Two, that it should embrace that the whole country wherever there were freedmen and refugees. Three, that the Bureau should have annual salaries of five hundred to twelve hundred dollars. They got hey, they got COVID payouts every year. I mean, it was supposed to last us eight months. I mean, that's about the same. Yeah. Uh, Four, that the president should set apart for the use of freedmen and local refugees unoccupied lands in the South to be allotted in parcels not exceeding 40 acres each. Five, that the titles granted in pursuance of General Sherman's orders of January 16th, 1865 be made valid. I don't know. Those are the titles. Do you remember those? I don't remember those. That was yeah. So remember when Sherman? Like, remember when Sherman just like went proto Mao and just like redistributed all that land in South Carolina and gave it to the slaves oh, that had fought for him as part. Yes. And you got yes. confused as to which side Sherman was on for yes. a hot second there. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was okay. like six months ago, but yeah, that was yeah. a long <laughs> time ago. Yeah, <laughs> oh, like seventy-five <laughs> pages or something like that. I mean, something on. like that. I don't know. Uh, that the commissioner. Pre- procure land and erect suitable buildings that asylums and schools for dependent freedmen and refugees seven that it be the duty of the president to extend military protection and jurisdiction all over all cases where any civil rights or immunities belonging to white persons including the rights to make and enforce contracts to give evidence to inherit buy sell and hold property etc are refused or denied by local law prejudice on account of race, color or previous condition of servitude, or where different punishments or penalties are afflicted other than prescribed for white persons commuting like offenses. So again, you know, white people can't have different rights than black people. Yeah, you can't have different. Yep, makes sense. Yep. yep. Uh, eight, that it be made a misdemeanor punishable by fine of $1,000 or imprisonment for one year or both. And mind you, as we saw above, the COVID payout is a year's salary. So $1,000 yeah. is a lot of money. Um, yeah. Or anyone depriving another of the above rights on account of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. These last sections were to apply to those states or districts where ordinary judicial proceedings had been interfered with by war. The bill was opposed as establishing a permanent bureau instead of a wartime emergency institution. Its great power was criticized, and it was declared that its expense would be enormous. There were special objections to the validations of land titles under Sherman's orders and to the conditions of civil rights. It was defended as being not necessarily permanent. Oh, guys, hey, the permanent protection of these rights, eh, not so permanent. Uh, As in accordance with our Indian policy, oh, boy. Um, Always good. Yeah, I love love seeing those words. Yeah, Um, that's great. I'm sure that's going to go well. (laughs) <laughs> and as not being expensive since it was manned by army officers it passed the senate january 1866 by a vote of 37 to 10 that's good uh i mean yeah yeah feels I, i'm wondering where the real turn is because i don't remember this being a thing since 1866 but oh i but like it's the sound get, of it it's 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 remember it says until abolished by law oh yeah they can right. get rid of it that's right that's right. This is where the whole election that ended Reconstruction because radical it was a Reconstruction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Now, now that the 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 history of Reconstruction that that I do know that's lessened up, this book is starting to light bulb. Okay. There we yep. go. Yep, yep. In the House, Thaddeus Stevens tried to strengthen the bill by the most thoroughgoing provisions for government guardianship yet proposed. These provisions directed that food, clothes, medical attention, and transportation be furnished by white refugees and black be furnished 
white refugees and black freedmen and their families that public land be set aside in Florida, Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, and Arkansas, and also forfeited estates to the extent of 3 million acres of good land, and that this should be parceled out to loyal white refugees and black freedmen at a rental not to exceed 10 cents an acre, and that the end of a certain period this land could be sold to the applicants at a price not to exceed $2 an acre. Occupants of land under Sherman's orders were confirmed in their possession unless the former owner proved his title, and in that case, other land at the rate of 40 acres of farm should be given to this applicant. The Bureau was to erect buildings and asylums and schools and provide a common school education for all white refugees and freemen who applied. This thoroughgoing substitute unhappily was lost. So once again, yeah. that is Stephen seems like, you know, communist. <laughs> just, he just to put seems it, at I, the like, very least the most socialist uh, thing yeah. I could imagine. Yeah. If these sorts of policies. Left-leaning. Yeah, I mean, policy-wise, it's the, the closest thing this country's come to socialism was what Thaddeus Stevens proposed. And once again, it's unfortunately shut down. Yes, because yes, because yes. because race. I mean, that's the thing that's always killed socialism in this country is racism. And it mm-hmm. why not? Socialism is liberation of the meek. And who are the meek, especially in a settler colony is the colonized people. And so, you know, uh, uh, combating liberation of the meek is in turn going to combat socialism. That makes Perfect sense. Makes sense. Uh, The bill which finally passed the House February 6th extended the power of the Freedmen's Bureau to freedmen throughout the whole United States and provided for food and clothing for the destitute, a distribution of public lands among freedmen and white refugees in parcels not exceeding 40 acres, each at a nominal rent with an eventual chance of purchasing. The land assigned by Sherman was to be held for three years and then if restored, other land secured by rent or purchase. School buildings and asylums were to be erected. Congress appropriated the money. Full civil rights were to be enforced, and punishment was provided for those thwarting the civil rights of Negroes. So, kind of a middle ground between the the bill yeah. and and Thaddeus' proposal. Yeah. Um, and still, I mean, immense gain. I mean, this is exactly what you would hope for, except for how tenuous it is, you know. And exactly. what does it mean in application? But yeah, and, exa- and yeah, and what does it wise, actually, pol- yeah, as far wise, as the thing you can lay fantastic. down, it's about as good as you can get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the bill encountered strong opposition, especially from the border states, which we Salisbury know are acting as just death. southern. The border states are just yeah. acting as southern, you know, basically. Yeah, they're just uh, proxies for the stand-ins. south. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Proxies worth thinking of. Yep. Uh, Salisbury of Delaware deliberately reiterated his contention that Congress had no right to abolish slavery. <laughs> Again, proxies for the south. Uh-huh. He- even if three fourths of the states assented, with minor changes to the <laughs> minor changes, the bill was accepted by Senate February 9th, and thus the first great measure of Reconstruction went to the president. Southern slavery had now been definitely abolished by constitutional amendment, and the government guardianship of the Negro with land and court protection was assured by the permanent Freedmen's Bureau. What was the answer of the South to this? Where were Southern brains and leadership? Why did so many hide like tombs? Why did the South have to give tr- have to trust its guidance to a half-educated poor white president and a New York corporation lawyer? Suppose a Southern leader had appeared at the time and had said, frankly, we propose to make the Negro actually free in his right to work, his legal status, and his professional safety. We're going to allow him to get on easy terms, homesteads, so as to gradually replace the plantation system with peasant proprietors, and we're going to provide him 
and are poor whites with elementary schools. And when in time he is able to read and write and accumulate minimum property, then not until then he can cast his vote and be represented in Congress. What what was there so wild and revolutionary, so unthinkable about a, a manly declaration of this sort? But a native of Alabama knew that this attitude was entirely lacking. I do not think that Congress should wait for the people of the South to make regulations by which at some future time the Negroes will be provided with homes, have their rights as freemen acknowledged, be given a participation in civil rights, and be made part of the framework of the country. They will not do that. You need not to wait for it. If Congress can constituently commence a system of educating and elevating Negroes, let them do it and not wait for the people of the South to do it. So again, I mean, this is it's kind of a weird state and rev style explicit talk of the task of the government, right? Because the voice is saying, yeah. you know, what if someone in the South basically proposed the same thing, but the freedoms were given gradually? And of course, what would that mean in application? That would maintain that the North doesn't step in and maintain this with reconstruction. And then the fact that the black people can't vote makes that easy to roll back because that's what a government does, right? It protects the ruling class uh, to stay ruling, even when they're extending an olive branch it's a poisoned olive, you know? I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's exactly what it is, right? I don't know if that's how the olive branch expression goes, but whatever. Yeah, it's fine. I, in fact, I'm pretty sure olives are poisoned anyway until you do certain things with them, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it is nonsense to say that the South knew nothing about the capabilities of the Negro race. Southerners knew Negroes far better than Northerners. There was not a single Negro slave owner who did not know dozens of Negroes just as capable of learning and efficiency as the mass of poor whites around and about, and some quite as capable as the average slaveholder. They had continually, in the course of history of slavery, recognized such men. Here and there, teachers and preachers to white folks as well as colored folks had arisen. Artisans and even artists had been recognized. Some of these colored folks were blood relatives of the white slaveholders, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters. They had sometimes been given land, transported to the north or to Europe, freed and encouraged. Of course, Southerners believe, the Southerners believe such persons to be exceptional, but all that was asked of them at this time was to recognize the possibility of exceptions. To such a reasonable offer, the nation could and would have responded. It could have, been, it could have paid for the Negroes' land and education. It could have been, contributed to relief and restoration of the South. Instead of that came a determination to reestablish slavery, murder, arson, and flogging, a dogmatic opposition to Negro education and decent legal status, determination to have political power based on voteless Negroes, and no vote to any Negro under any circumstances. Yeah, that sounds once, about right. Yeah, once again, we get insight to how reaction works mm-hmm. and to how, you know, the violent. Uh, reactive like fascism for example works right what this is is it's a reactionary stance that you know okay there's exceptions right but all of a sudden when they're threatened with more than just these exceptions that maintain the system and oppress the overwhelming majority all of a sudden when everybody's got humanity everybody's equal oh shit we got to push back and now it's across the board it's it's a far more violent reaction and that's again what fascism is right you know we have these systems and liberalism that largely oppress disabled people and gay people and people of ethnic minorities and fascist and, and, and uphold corporate monopolies and fascism is okay. Well, let's privatize government contracts and uphold more monopolies. Uh, let's not just tamp down on, on uh, trade unionism and, and collective bargaining. Let's just oust it. Um, let's just kill anyone who organized uh, for labor, anyone who's communist, anyone who's disabled, anyone who falls in these ethnic minorities. 
um, and just exterminate them so they have no power and and you know explicitly curb their power. I mean, that's what it is. This was fascism before fascism. This was the reaction, like, oh yeah, there's some exceptional, you know, that's what a black freedman is, right? They come from slavery. Maybe they're mixed race. Maybe they're just really smart. They could be a good artist. Whatever you know, there's these there's these black people. There's 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 our our, our black exceptions. That's fine. Oh, now we're gonna make all black people equal because we're causing immense inhumane suffering for the overwhelming masses. Oh, that's not cool. Now all black people got to be slapped with a slack of rights. Yep. Um. Oh, also, a note for further reference: uh, if we are reading numbers for like. Uh, like money going forward. I'm going to round to the nearest numbers. I'm not reading giant long numbers anymore. <laughs> it seems pointless. You don't care. I don't care. No one cares. Uh, if you want to, you can go read them up in the book, but I will be rounding numbers going forward. I say that just because I see some coming. Uh, okay. This showed the utter absence of common sense in the leadership of the South. Their attitude was expressed best, however, not by a Southerner, but by William H. Seward, Secretary of State. Mm, and it came in yeah. the shape of a veto to the Freedmen's Bureau bill. If this veto had applied to a civil rights bill or to a bill providing for Negro suffrage, it would have been much more logical. But to veto a bill for the guardianship of Negroes, even though that bill carried and had to carry a defense of civil rights, was reactionary to the last degree. The yes, veto was, was a shrewd document, as was every argument written by that matter of subtle logic. The president was made to say, I love it. The president was made to say, because they know it came from Seward. I share with Congress the strongest desire. You know how we just talked about how policy wise, that was the best bill they could have asked for and how yeah. happy we were. Mm-hmm. Get ready. I yeah. share with Congress the strongest desire to secure the, to the freedmen the full enjoyment of their freedom and property and their entire independence and equality in making contracts for their labor. But he objected to the bill because it was, quote unquote, unconstitutional. Oh, because the no. Bill, you, know who's dis, you know who's supposed to decide whether a thing is unconstitutional or not? The it ain't the Court? president. It ain't the fucking president. Um, He's all three branches now, though. Yeah, fucking hell. Because the Bureau was permanent, because it did for the colored people what had never been done for white people. Love that. Love Mm. that. Because it confiscated land, and because its cost would be prodigious, it was unconstitutional. Because it extended jurisdiction all over the United States. It gave the Bureau judicial power in that jurisdiction. It was made permanent in spite of the fact that slavery had been abolished. Conceive a president born a poor white laborer saying, Congress has never felt itself authorized to spend public money for renting homes for white people, honestly toiling day and night. And it was never intended that freedmen should be fed, clothed, educated, and sheltered by the United States. The idea upon which slaves were assisted to freedom was that they become a self-sustaining population. Bootstraps time. Mm-hmm. Bootstraps mm-hmm. time. I mean, we were, here, we were again, willing to pay reparations the second it happened. Yeah, no, I mean, the again, the second it happened, and, and as a Congress, as a fucking reactionary Congress, we were we were willing to, and the structures of this government are to uphold slavery, whether that's the divided branches, whether that's the oligarchy of the Supreme Court, uh, whether that's the fucking Second Amendment, whether that's the the Senate versus just having a House, whether that's the Electoral College, whatever it is, we are. With this government is structured as a settler colony to uphold slavery and modern modern neo slavery structures that are less obvious, but again, come back to slavery. That's what this government was structured for. That's what it it does every goddamn. 
time. And again, this is the, the argument of, well, we can't forgive that debt. What about all the people that, that paid off their debt? Or, you know, we can't, we can't give people free housing. What about the people that paid for their house? Like, you know, it's always that bullshit on a much more grotesque level, right? We can't ensure black people's humanity. What about white people? Right. It's, it's just, it's fucking that. That's exactly what it is. And it's, it's a load of bullshit. This is about to get very painful. The Bureau, he said, would be costly. During war times, we had already spent $6 million for the relief of Negroes and $2 million for the relief of whites. For 1866, the present Bureau needed to spend $11 million. Now we are planning to spend money for land and education, which will double this sum. The bill proposes to take away land from former owners without due process of law. I do love how going and starting a rebellion uh, is not due process of law enough yeah. to... to to you know take away that land but fine yeah yeah you seceded and fought to the death against the country that is straight up treason yeah like yeah (laughs) but but no and again i'm not a big fan of like treason because like i mean fuck treason is the united states all day long but if they're going to uphold law and this constitution this is all and they know it's bullshit they know it's bullshit it's all back to this thing where the the yeah. republicans will use every tool in the toolbox to try and accomplish a thing they want and then the second the democrats have the ability to like turn it around and use those same tools to accomplish their agenda they pretend to care about propriety and and decorum and rule of yeah. law and all yeah. this other stuff i mean stuff. it's the same thing except Repu- which one was republican which one was democrat exactly. it's not because this was before strom thurmond you but know here yeah. comes here comes here comes this guys uh and Ooh. sit down stop driving just yeah i'm, I'm about mm. to get mad finally comes this extraordinary economic philosophy for serfs this is uh johnson via seward or seward via johnson however you want to say uh. it. undoubtedly the freedmen should be protected but he should be protected by the civil authorities, especially by the exercise of all constitutional powers of the courts of the United States and of the states. His condition is not so bad. His labor is in demand, and he can change his dwelling place if one community or state does not please him. The law that regulates supply and demand will regulate his wages. The freedmen can protect themselves, and being free, they could be self-sustaining, capable of selecting their own employment, insisting on proper wages, and establishing and maintaining their own asylums and schools. Seward got his degree from PragerU. Oh, I'm so fucking mad right now. Holy shit. That is the most libertarian out completely detached from reality. And again, imagine this is the thing. They say, imagine a guy like Johnson who grew up a poor white laborer saying that with a fucking straight face on. Yeah. You knew it was bullshit. He knew Mm. it was bullshit from the second he said it. Yes. Um, And this is again, this is Lincoln's secretary of state. That he was yeah. all for and all up for um, yeah. doing this right now. Yep. It is earnestly hoped that instead of wasting away, they will, by their own efforts, establish for themselves a condition of responsibility and prosperity. Bootstrap, bootstrap, bootstrap. It is certain that they can ask, attain that condition only through their own merits and exertion. <gasps> Bootstraps exceptionalism. This was the answer of Andrew Johnson and William H. Seward to the Freedmen's Bureau Bill. Practically, it said that the Negroes do not need protection. They are free. Let them go work, earn wages, and support their own schools. Their civil rights and political rights must depend entirely upon their former masters, and the United States has no constitutional authority to interfere to help them. As Stevens said later, the president himself 
favored confiscation of Southern land for the poor white when he was clothed and in his right mind. Isn't it great how this amazing, un- unstoppable document of freedom, whether you're the supposedly left-leaning of these two great people's parties or the explicitly right-leaning leaning of these two great people's parties, always gets to dole out this great document solely and consistently for reaction. Mm-hmm. Just incredible. It was an astounding astounding pronouncement it was the american assumption of the possibility of labor's achieving wealth that whole disenfranchised temporary disenfranchised Mm -hmm. millionaire applied with a vengeance to landless slaves under caste conditions the very strength of its logic was the weakness of its common sense oh du bois oh du bois yet andrew johnson was the president of the united states He was the leader of the Republican Party, which had just won the war. He declared in the face of an astounding array of testimony to the contrary, that the South was peaceful and loyal and the slaves really free. Congress did not believe the president or agree with him, but some were not yet prepared to break with him. Six Republicans deserted their party and voted to uphold the veto. The result was that by a vote of 30 to 18, the attempt to override the president's veto failed. Remember, when they voted the first Mm. time, it was, what, 37 to 10? Yeah, it was was 36 to, I thought it was 36 to 10. 37 to 10, yeah. 37 to 10. So they had it, and they backed off. Even overriding a veto. And the second they had to override a veto, they backed off just by a few votes. They backed off. The attempt to override the president's veto failed. The rift made in the Republican Party was wide. Uh, can you oh, imagine? Oh, so they split the party and lost anyway. Yeah, Weird I how lo- that always party happens unity. when you're bitching about party unity. I love how it's reaction. party unity right up until it's one person's decision to mm-hmm. do the thing that the rest of the party wanted, and then they won't suck it up and do the thing for party unity. Yeah. No, they split yeah. it. <sighs> Okay. Uh, on the one side, the rift made on the one side stood abolition democracy in curious alliance with the triumphant northern industry, both united in self defense against Johnson and the South. This northern unity, Johnson and Seward intended to disrupt and did so in and part. Hmm? I love how he just plainly, bluntly puts it so in stride Johnson and the South, too, because that's really yeah. what it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're fighting the president who obviously has just turned and doesn't give a yeah. shit about you. Um, yeah. Seward, who never gave a shit about you, never had, yeah. never will, only cared about yeah. uh, ending that war and then pure ec- economics. Um, yeah, his contempt for, for African-Americans, for, for the African vote was so palpable, it's, it's insulting. Um, yeah. the Northern Un- This Northern Unity, Johnson and Seward intended to disrupt and did so in part when the veto of the Freedmen's Bureau Bill was sustained. Seward followed this by an appeal for the quick resumption of peace and industry, and Johnson made an appeal to labor unrest and Western radicals. But here again, there was no natural union, and this Seward knew. His defense, therefore, of Johnson's plan was intended to soothe both industry and abolition without stressing radicalism. Washington's birthday had been fixed upon by the president's friends for a grand demonstration. The New York alderman endorsed the president's conservative, liberal, enlightened, and Christian policy. How do all of those go together? Uh, You know what? Again, if you're dealing with the actual definition of liberalism and you're dealing with the fundamentalist white supremacist definition of Christianity – Smooth like butter goes together. Mm. If you're doing the modern colloquial definition or the actual belief prescribed in the Beatitudes. 
Come on. Liberal and conservative? Like, you can't be both. That's, they are diametrically yeah. opposed. <laughs> they're, they're not supposed diametrically to be. opposed. They're not diametrically but opposed, but they are ostensibly opposed. Sure. Uh, with 100 guns salute on February 21st and 100 on February 22nd, Johnson declared greater than old hickory. Well, there's a low fucking bar to clear. Uh. He was on the highest pinnacle of the Mount of Fame. His feet were planted on the Constitution of his country. Well, why are you stepping on the Constitution? He was a modern <laughs> edition of Andrew Jackson bound in calf. Guys, you shouldn't be this comp. This is not the one you want. Indeed, it was said by radicals in reply to the Democratic fireworks that more powder was burned in honor of the veto by the Copperheads than they consumed during the four years of war. Oh, <laughs> suck it. Seward that's, said, oh, "That's a nice zinger. That, oh, that's, that's a good. A good, that's, a good one. that's that's up where with the the zoo inlay at uh, uh, Khrushchev with the we're both class traders. That's it's a yeah. good zinger. This I think is the difference." Seward said. This, I think, is the difference between the president, who is a man of nerve in the executive chair at Washington, and the nervous men who are in the House of Representatives. Um, Both have got the union restored, not with slavery, but without it. Not with secession, flagrant, or latent, but without it. Not with compromise, but without it. Not with disloyal states or representatives, but with loyal states and representatives. They're not. Not with rebel debts, but without them. There should be. Not with exemption from our own debts for suppressing the rebellion, but with equal liabilities upon the rebels and the loyal men not with freedmen and refugees abandoned to suffering and persecution but with freedmen employed in productive self-sustaining industry with refugees under the protection of law and order good 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 the man of nerves sees that it has come out right at last and accepts the situation he does this is not a trump for- speech this is a trump speech he does it's not forget speech. that this is that in this troublesome world of ours the most to be secured by anyone is to have things come out right nobody can ever expect to have them brought out altogether in his own way this is literally we guarantee oppor- equal equality of opportunity not equality of outcome fuck off mm-hmm. No, uh, the nervous men, on the other hand, hesitate, delay, debate, and agonize, not because it has come out right, but because they have not individually had their own way in bringing it to a happy termination. The we little get- weakling men with the, everything he handed to. Like, this is a what? fucking Trump speech. This is literally, oh, well, they they didn't get what they wanted, so they shouldn't be upset, even though we got exactly what we wanted. Like, but the fuck president off. is strong and knows that the opportunity is equal. As to the Freedmen's Bureau bill, he said, I have not given prominence in these remarks to the conflict of opinion between the president and Congress in reference to the Bureau for the Relief of Freedmen and Refugees. That conflict is, in its consequences, comparatively unimportant. It would excite Fuck little off. it would excite little interest and produce little division if left if it stood alone. It is because it has become the occasion for revealing the difference that I have already described that it has attained the importance which seems to surround it. He proceeds to point out that the present Freedmen's Bureau bill had not expired and might not expire for another year, that therefore during the next year, Congress might still prolong its existence. Ought the President of the United States to be denounced in the house of his friends for refusing in the absence of any necessity to occupy or retain and to exercise power greater than those which are exercised by any imperial magistrate in the world? Judge ye, I trust that the fault of declining imperial powers too hastily tendered by a too confiding Congress Congress may be given to it by a generous people. Fuck because William if H. Seward. If there is one thing an American president has never done, it's exercise power greater than any other imperial magistrate in the world. Fuck William H. Seward so hard. Yeah. 
So no, he could choke on a hot charcoal. That's, so that, that's fucking how I hard. Feel. Fuck like, William fuck H. Seward. Like this guy is becoming like Linko was the incompetent idiot. The the not incompetent because he was very competent. He was doing what he was set out to do. But he, he was the the mm, the uh, the wishy washy the spine. Lincoln was spineless. Lincoln didn't have the will yeah. to do anything until he had a vast majority. This is the competent asshole. This is the guy. Yeah, who no, knows, this is malicious this is, shit. This yeah. is your cotton and your holly. This is the guy that knows exactly what he wants, is not afraid to say it, but will gussy it up with kind words that make it sound like he knows what he's talking about because he went to Harvard. Yeah. I'm so mad. Uh, David, keep reading. I've, I've punished myself enough. Okay. Uh, this was an arduous defense, but Johnson could not let well enough alone. He was deprived of his mentor and assuming his vivid role of stump speaker, possibly with few stimulants. <laughs> he, he was drinky. <laughs> Wait, he was doing coke? <laughs> I think, this I is think really a Trump. These- we're really... We're really doing Trump speeches now. <laughs> he felt called upon this same Washington's birthday to reply to a committee which had waited upon him with resolutions. He was speaking after the 14th Amendment in his first form had been reported to the White House to the House of Representatives and sent back to the Committee of 15. With that, as well as the vetoed Freedmen's Bureau bill and the pending Civil Rights Bill in mind, he resided, recited again his services to the Union during the war. He reminded his auditors that when the rebellion maintained itself, manifested itself in the South, he stood by the government. He was for the Union with slavery. He was for the Union without slavery. And either alternative, he was for the government and the Constitution. Then he went on with this classic argument. Oh, you have- boy. You have been struggling for four years to put down a rebellion. You contend at the beginning of that struggle that a state had not a right to go out. And when you determine by the executive, by the military, and by the public judgment that these states cannot have any right to go out, this committee turns around and assumes that they are out, that they shall not come in. I say that when the states that attempted to secede and comply with the Constitution and give sufficient evidence of loyalty, I shall extend to them the right hand. Yeah, I should extend them the right hand of the fellowship. He's somehow only the worst parts of Lincoln. It's amazing. Um, and let peace and union be restored. I am opposed to the Davises, the Toombses, and the Slidells. And by the way, that's that is apparently more than one two-time Daytona 500 champion, Jefferson Davis. Yes, and yes, a yes, long yes. list of such. But when I perceive, on the other hand, men still opposed to the union, I am free to say that you and I am still with the people. Suppose I should name you those who's, whom I took upon as being opposed to the fundamental principles of the government and now laboring to destroy them. I say Thaddeus Stevens of Pennsylvania. I say Charles Sumner of Massachusetts. I say Wendell Phillips of Massachusetts. Finally, Johnson became melodramatic. The voice is when, just ripping wh- on his uh, ass. Here. He wasn't melodramatic before. <laughs> Are they not satisfied with one martyr? Does not the blood of Lincoln appease the vengeance and wrath of the opponents of this government? Okay. Oh my God. Okay. So this is a conspiracy that Sumner and Thaddeus Stevens wanted Lincoln to die, or this that it's is somehow literal- their fault. Uh, I mean, they probably should have, but that's not the point. This is literally Trump talking about the squad if the squad was as scary as he thought they were. Yeah, yeah. 
Is their thirst still unslaked? Do they want more blood? Have they not honor encouraged enough to affect the removal of the presidential obstacle otherwise than through the hands of the assassin? I am not afraid of assassins, etc. 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 That's uh the etc. etc. is Du Bois's made a silly edition. speech. We will not and, read it or acknowledge it. <laughs> and oh my god, keep going. You gotta read the last part. <laughs> okay. Small wonder that the New York Tribune and Philadelphia Press reported that Johnson was drunk when he made his speech. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. But the main cause of his drunkenness was not necessarily whiskey. It was constitutional inability to understand men and movements. This was not time to straddle on the slavery question. That question had been settled. The crucial question now was, what will the South do when it comes back to Congress? What will it do to Negroes? And even more important in the minds of many, what will it do to the new industry? The latter question struck deepest, but the former voiced itself the loudest. Yep. And that is that is all we are going to get to for this week. We're, we're moving mm-hmm. a, a decent clip through. But holy cow, yes. this chapter has been, this whole chapter has been, but these last couple episodes have been very, very dense with just good, good firsthand accounting yes. of what was going on and mm. and the kinds of shenanigans that were being dealt with at the time. Um, I, I, I have to say again, the parallels, we saw somebody, uh, somebody put it out the other day that uh, there was a, a tweet going back and forth, you know, why isn't biden looking to punish trump or or, or prosecute trump and someone said it's just like after the because he's acting like we any good president would like after the civil war when they pursued a path of unity instead of you know callous what blah 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 bullshit liberal shit and i was like oh yeah yeah no that worked out great how'd that work out during reconstruction and we're just seeing exactly the what happens when you try and plug your ears pretend people are not enemies Mm -hmm. for the sake of some bullshit concept of unity um, Mm -hmm. because you know that you guys are really on the same side it it is always a bad idea you pursue the right thing for the right reason and you stick to that and that is we've seen two maybe three people in this book that are sticking to that line and doing it I say as politicians obviously we saw masses hundreds of thousands of millions of of disenfranchised uh black slaves rise up and and stick to it and do it for the right reasons but in this in this political in this weird west wing we're playing for the last couple chapters um it it is a bunch of people so content to just get the ball rolling again and get capital flowing again and no one focused on doing what was actually right or just and because they were focused on what a bourgeoisie democracy always is focused on that's profits yep that's all they cared about not quite as uh, hilarious an episode as last time. Kind no, of a bummer. No, not good fun. I did. I did like uh, the the callous New York Tribune pointing out that Johnson was drunk. Yes, but, yeah, it was. It was fun that he literally. We always made fun of very, Trump. We always make fun of Trump for being high as fuck when he's doing these, you know, babbling little speeches. But it's good to know a good American president could just get up there blasted and, and, and start going off on his enemies every now and again. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, but that being said, of course, it was. You know, loaded with bad news, and and because of the ramification, of that bad news much more somber uh, yeah, of an episode. Yep, yep, yep. So sorry about that. But that, sorry about that. that. Is what it is. Listen, that happens. Go back and listen to the last episode again. It'll make you feel. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we know we know the end of this book is not like uh, the greatest. You know, this is not a book where the protagonist wins at the end. It's a book of American history. No, no, it's hard. Um, that being said, 
Uh, this has been Mark's Madness. There are a number of different ways that you can reach out to us and provide us pictures of, of cute kittens or that statue of Thaddeus Stevens that I, I, I now have an open bounty out on. Um, the ways you can do that are email uh, marksmadnesspod at gmail.com. Uh, on Twitter, we are at Mark's Madness Pod, and you can also join uh, the Discord server that we are a part of, which is the Dumb and Awful Discord uh, for Dumb and Awful Show. You should also listen to that show because it's delightful. Um, uh, fun fact on that show, they just had a really cool, uh, in, in carrying on with the constant tradition of how do we talk to people, um, they just had two bonus episodes if you're a Patreon subscriber for where they had like two hour conversations with their dads. And talked about uh, socialism and what what do you do and how fucked up is everything and how to have it. And it's kind of fun to yeah. listen to everyone else have to have those kind of conversations and how it goes and how people are, are different when they talk to their parents or stuff like that. So fun and exciting times. Um, by the time this comes out, I'd also I'll also tease if it's not out already. We should be having a bonus series coming out. I would estimate it's going to be two parts, but knowing my luck, it will be three. Um, where uh, I watch the yellow Michael Parenti video that everyone is so familiar with uh, uh, that I had not. Se- I've seen like the greatest hits of that one. I've seen the I support the revolution yeah. that feeds the people, uh, all that kind of fun stuff. But I hadn't seen the whole thing all the way through an hour and a half of it. Um, and I watched that with my brother. And my good friend, who is, are both what I would consider starting to lean left, possibly, but very much in that this is a group we should be trying to radicalize, and maybe yeah. there's a way to do it. Group, yeah, and starting to lean left, like from a position of of you know run of the mill American liberalism. We're not saying like you know from right leaning. No, 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 no. Neither I of them. That, neither I think th- there were. Yeah. Spent my brother was never my brother was never rightly my brother has been left his whole life on on everything social and economic he's been a giant punk rock kid that's his whole origin story mm-hmm. um, our other guest is a more just run of the mill would call himself a centrist would vote yeah. for Republicans if he thought they had a good point would vote for Democrats if he thought they had a good point kind of a thing um, yeah much the, the more spectrum a, of yeah. milk toast liberals basically and, exactly and, and now they're starting exactly. to open up to materialism yeah open up to I anything just, open up I just want to clarify because obviously you know me and Nathan are not sitting here like you know with no checkered history out of the womb you know red diaper no, babies exactly we've, no. we've been over that we've been over neither that enough and that's people, not exactly a bragging point we're just saying these, these particular started people right. yeah we're just saying that that the two people in question were not like you know super right wing they were they were milk toast liberals when he says that so yeah, yeah, yeah. when Nathan says that very much so. So, and they've they've been listening to the show. There's been some radicalization from that, but again, just trying to figure out how to have conversation. You know, watch something that has explicitly, you know, socialist tones, and and kind of just talk about it and see how that how how does it hit you? What does it strike? Does does something here not appeal to you? Does something here sound wrong? Um, and the yeah. first the first run of it's already recorded. It went really well. So uh, hopefully hopefully the next one. Again, we thought we were going to get this whole thing recorded in an hour and a half. Uh, or like two hours, and we got 20 minutes into the episode in in, tra- in good Marxist tradition. We got 20 minutes into the video yeah. after an hour and a half of recording. So, you know, it'll, it'll take a couple episodes. Sure, sure. That being said, this has been Mark's Madness. Uh, my name is Nathan. My name's David. And we will talk to you all next week. Bye! Bye!